You're listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast, episode number 13. Welcome to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. I'm Jennifer Schreckengost. I consider myself a healthy-ish foodie, a wanderlust junkie, a coffee connoisseur, and an e-learning expert, and your host for the next hour or so. So pull up a seat, grab a cup of coffee, and come listen to conversations with real people who are all learning how to eat well, live well, and travel often. Welcome back to another episode. Today on episode number 13, we are talking with Megan Fikes from the blog Eat Something Delicious. After spending most of her life from childhood on feeling sick and taking over-the-counter pain medication for constant headaches and joint pain, Megan finally received testing for food sensitivities after reading another woman's story on how she healed herself from joint pain after giving up grains. Megan did, in fact, test positive for gluten intolerance and many other food sensitivities. But, like both Megan and myself, we've discovered having food sensitivities can be a very isolating experience. And her story is like so many others I hear um, our, and our hope is that we can help any of our listeners out there that may be silently suffering with food sensitivities or feeling isolated after a food uh, sensitivity diagnosis to find ways to create a supportive environment and really be an advocate for themselves on what works well for their body and what doesn't. So with that being said, let's jump right into the episode. Hi, Megan. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Jennifer. And today we have uh, Megan Fikes with us on the podcast, and she's from the blog Eat Something Delicious. Um, I met Megan in a food blogger group, actually, and we have a lot in common with her experience and my own experience with living with uh, food intolerances and gluten sensitivities. So again, welcome to the show, Megan, and why don't you tell the listeners a little bit about um, about yourself? Sure. So I... Um started Eat Something Delicious after I had to completely change up my diet for, um, you know, gluten intolerance. I discovered all these food sensitivities that I had. And, um, you know, somebody who likes to cook, I started making my own recipes and sharing them with other people that might need help with that too, that might get some use out of that. So mm-hmm. I just wanted a platform where I could um, I could share that. And over time, I started sharing my own personal experiences too. Good. Yeah. And, and that's actually the reason, the story behind why I started my food blog, um, because I not only had food sensitivities and I, and I kind of liked, um, and the, like the paleo type diet worked for me because it removed a lot of the inflammatory foods, but I have a very severe nut allergy and right. so many recipes, um, have like a nut based ingredients like almond milk or almond flour, um, or cashews, it, it, cashews are used a lot in the dairy replacement. And I was just so frustrated with not being able to find recipes that didn't have a nut ingredient that I was like, you know what, I'm just going to start making my own and I'm going to share them in case there's anybody else out there that has both yeah. food, you know, a gluten food intolerance and a nut intolerance or a nut it's allergy. It's common to have both. Yes, yes. So, so yeah. So your story, um, when I got to, to, you know, to learn a little bit more about your story, like you have an amazing story of um, a lot of times so many of us have ailments uh, that go on and on and on for so long and they're really tied to food. Um, and your story, you actually, you know, talk about how it goes back, all the way back to childhood and feeling sick in childhood. So, so talk a little bit about just your, your span of your life and how long that affected you before you actually found out about some of your intolerances. 
Yeah, it, it's funny because, I mean, I guess it's not really funny, but, you know, people, they always have, you look in anybody's medicine cabinet, what do they have? They have aspirin, they have mm-hmm. Tylenol, painkillers, you know, it just yep. to deal with everyday pain. And I thought everyday pain is just normal, you know? Mm-hmm. I thought that if I had a headache every day, then I just take an Excedrin every day. If I mm-hmm. had joint pain, I'd take something for that. You know, it was, I just thought it was completely normal. But, um, you know, I think it started probably a lot earlier than I would, I would have imagined because one of the earliest symptoms I remember were really bad nosebleeds. I, I don't even remember when they started. I was so young. And, um, you know, that's one of the symptoms that happened to me when I get glutened is I get these horrible nosebleeds. And so that started happening. Um, later on, it turned into uh, bad headaches. You know, mm-hmm. they last several days. Uh, they'd be accompanied by vertigo, nausea. Oh, yes. Um, yeah, and just, you know, like the later it got in the day, the worse it just accumulated. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, still I thought headaches, everybody gets headaches, right? And um, so I thought it was normal. I kept going on with my life. Um, I think around probably when I was in college, maybe a little before, um, I started getting pretty bad joint pain, which is, is not normal for somebody that age. Yeah, that age, yeah. But, yeah, so... Um, but we tend to just like function as if like that's normal life, you know, yeah, like we just keep, right. yeah, I got some aches and pains and it's just like, this just becomes our new normal and we don't even know, you know, we don't even think twice about it. Everybody has it. Why should I complain? Right. So, right. Yeah. But it got pretty severe um, to the point where I, you know, I'd be sitting in a class and I wouldn't, you know, I wouldn't be allowed to stand up for the next 45 minutes or however long classes were. And um, my knees would just hurt so bad. And I'd be sitting there in my chair trying my best, everything I could do to just stretch them out. And they just, they just hurt. And then uh, my hands, I always had a cold drink with me to wrap my hands around to keep the inflammation down. Um, my hands just always hurt or hurt to grab a pencil. I could hardly turn a doorknob when I first got up in wow. the morning. Inflammation wow. Was in the morning. Um, but, you know, it's just... I don't know why I didn't think anything of it. Uh Um, And so I started, you know, there were a few more symptoms I had. I went to the eye doctor for what he called eye inflammation. It wasn't like bloodshot eyes, but it was the corners of my eyes would just get red. Mm -hmm. Um, I've got some, I've got some pictures where I noticed that and it's, it's the weirdest thing, but you know, he couldn't explain it. I've tried every contact out there if anyone needs suggestions. Uh Um, it was not my contacts. It was not my contact solution. Um, but yeah, so, I mean, I just experimented with that. Nothing worked. Um, I had a few other strange symptoms too. Um, I never really liked, uh, fitness or any sort of physical activity at all. Um, my resting heart rate was in the hundreds, it, mm-hmm. you know, usually 95, maybe 115, 120 at the most at resting without caffeine or anything. Yeah. Um, every time I would do anything, uh, you know, somewhat strenuous, I'd get physically sick. Um, yeah. uh, yes, yes. You, you totally, totally relate to all of this. Sure. Yes. Yeah. Um, and then but you I, have no, but it's, but you live this way and you have no like answers and then you tell people about it and, they're, and they look at you like, what is wrong with you? I, I could never explain like why I always felt physically sick when I would work out. 
Yeah, yeah, that's crazy. Um, and then uh, my weight, my weight was, it was pretty low. It, it mostly stayed in one, one spot. I thought, you know, this is just where my body's happy is mm-hmm. right here. You know, I'm, you know, I'm pretty short, um, but I had no muscle tone. Like I said, I wasn't working out or anything. So I would expect my weight to be a little lower, but mm-hmm. you know, I was around, I was less than 90 pounds. Wow. I, I didn't look, you know, horribly underweight or anything you know I looked you know like it could have been healthy um apparently it wasn't <laughs> but uh I, I I think I looked fine you know uh-huh. outward um but yeah I think everything everything sort of changed one day I was just you know you google something random you come across a website you get hooked and uh I just wanted to know how to spiral cut a pineapple <laughs> that's all I wanted to know and um, I came across this blog post. It, this was back in um, 2012, so they're not they're not around anymore. But it talked about this woman and her experience with taking grains out of her diet and how much that helped her with her joint pain. Mm-hmm. And you know, at first I was resistant. I was like, oh, I can't give up donuts. Donuts are my favorite. <laughs> I give up, you know, my morning cereal. Yes, uh, all that stuff. And, um, but, you know, it's just the, I, I would rather give up my joint pain, you know, uh-huh. so I decided to give it a try. And I was, I was really surprised in just a few days. Um, my, my joint pain, it was gone. I didn't get any headaches. These headaches were lasting for days. Mm-hmm. Um, they were gone. I wasn't tired like I was anymore. Um, I was, I was really energetic. Like I was remember as a kid, I'd be like, oh, I can't believe, you know, we got this exciting thing to do and these grownups are just walking. Why don't people just run everywhere? You know, uh-huh. that's what I always thought as a kid. I was like, why don't people just run everywhere? It's so <laughs> efficient. And I was not doing any running back then, but oh my gosh, I got to that point again where I was like, I have so much energy. I don't know what to do with it. Uh-huh. And, um, so I went, I went out with my husband one day and, um, you know, we, we had lunch and he was joke. you know, we were joking around my diet and he's like, oh, well, here, have this M&M out of this cookie. It's grain free. This can be your grain free dessert. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, haha, you're so funny. And so, you know, I ate it and everything. And within about 30 minutes, I was horribly sick again. I was back to the way that I used to be. And I thought, you know, oh, the diet didn't work. I just had a few, you know, there wasn't really any cookie on that, on the uh-huh. M&M, you know, I was like, I'm, I just had a few good days by coincidence, but you know, something, something kept me thinking about it that, you know, I didn't want to give up that way that I had felt for those few days. Uh-huh. Um, I hadn't felt like that in so long. And I, I forgot it was possible to feel that good. And so I gave it another try and it was just kind of uh, like over time I realized um, that it is, it is the grains. It, it uh-huh. took a lot of trial and error. And I was telling my friend about it actually. And she said, Oh, I don't eat grains either. I'm like, well, what does that mean? And she's like, well, I'm doing this thing called paleo. And I was like, so there's this whole group of people out there that already know about this. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, what else do they know? So I, I decided to give that a try for a little bit. Uh-huh. Um, you know, 
more months go by, more trial and error, and I realize, you know, I can eat this gluten-free grain and be fine, but I can eat this gluten grain and be miserable. Uh And um, I was like, well, what else can I get away with? And so I was like, (laughs) you know, can I have sugar? I was like, you know, Uh what can I, what can I eat and what can't I eat? So, I mean, I kind of started with this, um, like paleo as an elimination diet. Yes. Yeah. Like a, like an elimination protocol. Yeah. That's what I did. Exactly. Yeah. And, um, I realized, you know what, if, you know, if I feel fine eating peanuts, I'm going to eat peanuts. Uh Yeah. And if I, you know, so I just kind of came up with these foods that I can and can't eat. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, sometimes they change on me. Yes. <laughs> like, yes. Uh, like I'm pregnant right now. And some of my, some of my intolerances went away to like corn and stuff. Uh-huh. And so I don't even know, like I'm supposed to go and get an IgG test. Uh-huh. To see if there's anything, um, anything else that might help, but um, just to kind of see what exactly I'm reacting yeah. to. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it was all experimental, really. And, and that's uh, really, I mean, honestly, that's really kind of, that was kind of my journey too. And that's really mm-hmm. kind of um, what anybody, sh- I mean, if you, if anybody is having all of these pains and ailments and, and different things, um, really just experimenting with your own elimination protocol and finding what works for you. Because like, like you said, like, even though the paleo diet is a good, like overarching elimination protocol, um, and I hate to use paleo. I hate to use the word diet with paleo. To me, it's just like a sure, way of yeah. eating. But but again, even adjusting that to finding like what works for you, like you said, of like if peanuts don't affect you, you know, you know, have Why a peanut, eat them, yeah, yeah, right. Um, like for me, um, I, I will eat uh, rice, which is you know technically not on paleo, but rice mm-hmm. doesn't seem to bother me as much. Um, I use a lot like rice noodles a lot of times as a as a gluten as a gluten swap, but going back to the ailments you talked about, I think this is such an important, um, co- uh, topic or, you know, concept because a lot of people, you know, you they automatically associate, you know, like, like a food out, al- like there's a difference between a food allergy and a food sensitivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and like for me, you know, when I, I have a, I have a, I have a severe nut allergy. So when I would eat nuts, like that's a huge reaction. Um, Whereas food sensitivities, you know, that are causing internal inflammation or systemic inflammation, like those kind of sneak up into other, other symptoms, like you mentioned, like headaches and joint pain and uh, dizziness and vertigo. I'm glad you mentioned that because that was, um, if, if you've ever listened to um, episode number one of my podcast, I kind of go into like the whole backstory of how I figured out my intolerances, but I spent years with like almost constant vertigo and dizziness, you know, went to the hospital and, and not that I have anything against the the medical community, but, um, so, so we, we so quickly just want to give, uh, medicine for these symptoms and not actually look for the underlying source. And so they, I'd had every test under the sun, you know, brain scans, everything to try to figure out what was wrong. You know, they just told me to take this medicine, this pill, whenever I get dizzy, because it's supposed to, it's basically like a Dramamine type Mm -hmm. um, medicine. Just take this when you get dizzy and you know, we don't know what's wrong with you after spending like five days in the hospital. (laughs) It was just crazy. And I lived like that for years. I'm, I mean, I, I want to say a good five plus five years uh, of just, you know, being dizzy and tired and not knowing, you know, what was causing it. And it was just kind of like my new normal. And then like you, I started to read on the internet about people that were 
you know, healing themselves through nutrition and changing their diet and removing certain foods. And so when I, when I did my own elimination protocol and removed grains and gluten, like all that, all that vertigo and dizziness and those dizzy spells went away. And so it was just like absolutely amazing that that's all I needed to do. And I spent all those years, you know, suffering and (laughs) nobody could figure it out and no doctor could even mention that to me. Um, and then that, and that solved it. But I found it really interesting with your eye comment because my oldest son has that and we've never been able to figure out the cause of it. Um, and again, we've gone to the doctor, they gave him eye drops, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't wear contacts or anything, but they're just constantly red in the whites of his eyes in the corners. So I'm going to have to go to him and, 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 tell him about this. Cause maybe, you know, my kids have very, um, they're all, my kids are older. Um, they're, you know, teenage, early twenties and they have a lot of the same symptoms. A lot of the, um, the ailments that I have, but convincing them or educating them, educating an 18 year old that he can't have, you know, boneless Buffalo wings with all the breading on it. It's not really working. And so they're just kind of living with those symptoms, but I think that's very interesting. And the reason why I bring this up is because I think it's important for people to know that sensitivities mask themselves in other things like headaches and joint pain. It's not mm-hmm. always just stomach issues or GI trouble. Right. Um, you know, it's, you know, or like a, like a, a full allergy where you have like a full blown anaphylactic or swelling like I have with, with my, um, any kind of nuts. Mm-hmm. And so, um, I'm glad you mentioned that because we just, we have these ailments we, you know, we mass, we, we treat the symptoms, you know, with medicine in our medicine cabinet and we never get to the root source of the problem. And so I think that's, that's something important, um, for anyone that's out there struggling with pain like this to really, uh, you know, maybe look at nutrition as a, as a, as a way to heal or, and, and like you said, and like I did just start eliminating things and see how you feel. But if you want full, you know, you can go get full allergy testing. Um, but tell me about, you, you know, you, I, did you have actual testing for gluten intolerance? So what happened was, um, after all this trial and error, I went to my doctor, you know, when I realized that I can eat the gluten-free grains, I can't eat the, uh, you know, more traditional grains. Uh-huh. Um, I realized, oh my gosh, I, when I eliminated grains, I eliminated gluten too. I had no idea. And so I went to my doctor and I told her, I think, I think I might have like a gluten intolerance or celiac disease or something. Mm -hmm. And, um, I had been off of gluten for so long. The only way to get the celiac diagnosis. So the celiac diagnosis, they do a blood test and then they do a biopsy of your small intestine to confirm the diagnosis. Mm -hmm. And, um, you have to be eating gluten at the time to get that diagnosis. And, um, you know, if I just have a non-celiac gluten intolerance, the treatment's the same. Uh Um, and so I was thinking there's no way I'm going back to the way I felt to get gluten back in my diet, to get a positive test result. Mm -hmm. If, you know, the treatment for both conditions are the same and the diagnosis for gluten intolerance is really simple. It's you eliminate, um, the diagnosis of celiac disease, you rule that out and mm-hmm. then you, um, like a gluten challenge where you take it out, put it back in. I had done that plenty of times. It was not working for me. So, um, I got like a broad diagnosis 
of gluten intolerance, no diagnosis between non-celiac gluten sensitivity and celiac disease. Mm -hmm. So um, we know it's one of the two, but we don't know which for sure. Uh huh. Uh-huh. And I think it's important to talk about gluten intolerance because um, as you and I have talked before, um, there's there's kind of a negative um, stigma, if you want to say, around, um, you know, people that maybe, you know, say they have a gluten intolerance and versus someone has celiac. And, and some of that negativity, I've heard phrases like, well, if you're not a true celiac, then, you know, there's, you know, there's, there, you have no problem. You shouldn't have any problems with gluten. Um, to people that like are saying that, you know, the, eating gluten-free is a, a fad, like a diet, like people are just choosing to do it. Yeah. Um, and so I, I think that um, it can feel very isolating um, for those of us that have a gluten intolerance. And we know in our system, when we eat gluten, this happens. When we don't eat gluten, this is how we feel. Um, and then we go out and about and we, maybe we're, we're at dinner with friends or maybe we're going to someone else's house and you bring up gluten-free and you get, you know, the eye roll or the, you know, do you really need it kind of thing. And so um, I think that that can be very kind of isolating. Have you had any experiences, you know, with kind of um, experiencing that negativity around a gluten intolerance? Yeah, definitely. Um, you do get the eye roll quite a bit. People tend to think, you know, you're doing it by choice. I mean, yeah, it is a choice, but it's the only, you know, for me, it's the only choice I have. Mm -hmm. um, they kind of think, um, you know, like, I don't think there's anything wrong if somebody just chooses to take it out of their diet. Uh -huh. you, know, you can eat whatever you want to. And so they, they really shouldn't have a problem with that either. But yeah, I mean, this is um, my, my prescription, basically, my, mm -hmm. my doctor gave me a prescription for a diet that I have to follow. You know, I don't have a medication I can take you. You would never get annoyed with somebody for taking their insulin or something. Right. Yeah. I mean, that would be awful, but for some reason I, you know, people look at you and they're like, oh, you shouldn't be doing that. You know, that's really inconvenient for the rest of us. Right. Yeah. Uh, you know. And I think maybe it might be tied to because our uh, because some of the the symptoms are internal. So it's not like an outward, mm -hmm. like if, and I think if, I feel like if people can't see that it's affecting you, then like it doesn't exist, you know, like, like no one would ever say anything to me about, you know, not having nuts in the house or nuts around because like that can kill me. But, you know, but asking for a gluten-free is, you know, kind of different. And like, do you really not need that? Just because like, they don't understand that while I'm not in an anaphylactic reaction, like other, other issues going on inside. And because I have an intolerance, I mean, I can eat things with gluten and it's not going to, you know, have, but I'm going to have, I'm going to suffer the consequences down the road if I do that. Yeah. Um, and so like, I know, um, I was just, I was just telling this earlier. I went and ordered gluten-free pasta at a local, um, uh, pasta It's called noodles and company. And I had ordered the gluten-free pasta, which they had to cook separately. And when I was waiting, um, the ladies, you know, was like, well, sorry, we have to cook these fresh because not everybody needs this. And, and she said, not everybody wants to pay the extra dollar 50 for the gluten-free. And I just kind of <laughs> looked at her and I, I kind of wanted to say, well, that's because not everybody, you know, needs the gluten-free, but right. if someone needs it, like they're going to pay the extra dollar 50, which is a very bizarre comment. Like it was almost as if she was just assuming I wanted it like as a, as a, as a 
special thing and not because I actually needed it. Yeah. And I've also, um, I've also seen comments on social media from people that I know, um, that are like work in the restaurant industry and maybe they're a server and, you know, a group, you know, talking about the, their irritation with people ordering, you know, asking for gluten-free uh, adjustments to their recipes as if they didn't need it. And so it's really kind of sad and it does, you know, make it feel kind of isolating. Um, luckily I think for the most part, you know, my, my, you know, surrounding my people around me know that I don't, um, I try to avoid gluten when all possible. Um, but what do you, what would you recommend for someone that, I mean, what are some strategies we could, we could give our listeners about finding like how to handle an unsupportive environment and how to create, like find or create that support network? Like, what did you, what, how did you approach that? Um, well, I think it's just a matter of letting people understand what's going on. If, if they really don't want to talk about it, if they're really, you know, I mean, sometimes people kind of act like you're going to convert them over to this right. expensive diet <laughs> and they get really defensive about it. It's like, no, no, it's just me. I don't, I don't care what you eat, you know? Um, but I think just kind of explaining yourself that, you know, this really makes me feel sick. I'm tired mm-hmm. of being sick. Um, that they might understand. And if they don't, then, you know, don't, don't ask those people to accommodate you, um, uh-huh. accommodate yourself if you have to. Um, I know, like, I know it's a lot harder. Um, but if they're not understanding about it, don't, don't give them any extra responsibilities. Like don't make it, you know, something they have to deal with too. Um, mm-hmm. so I just try to minimize the abnormality of the situation. Yeah. Um, you know, like if I, if I go out to eat, you know, I, I'm to the point where it's gotten so bad, you know, I get sick for about five to six weeks at a time. So I, I just take my own food everywhere. Uh I I can't, you know, I just made that decision a long time ago that I just can't, um, let people be responsible for my food. Like I have to be responsible for my own health. And Mm -hmm. so if I go out to, um, to a restaurant, I'm taking my own food. I'm going to call ahead of time. You know, uh-huh. I'm going to call them ahead of time and say, you know, I want to go out with my friends. Um, I'm going to bring my own container of food because I have, you know, really severe food intolerances. And um, they always say that's okay. They always understand. Um, and so when I get there, I'll just quietly remind them, you know, in case you weren't aware, you know, this is mm-hmm. what's going on. And then, um, if somebody else serves us when we sit down, I let them know, um, I sit at the end of the table, so I'm not shouting it across the table. <laughs> um, because I don't want that to be the subject of our conversation when we're out. I will, for everybody else, it's a normal night out for me. Yeah. It, it's not, it's a big, you know, it's, it's a challenge. Uh-huh. Um, so, so I think making it feel normal for them. You know? Yes. Yes. Um, I think definitely educating those around you. Um, and obviously, you know, um, I would hope that most, you know, people around you that you are close with could understand that, um, bringing your own food is definite. Um, I have done that a couple of times, uh, bringing my own dishes or, or food, um, and calling ahead. Like I have called ahead before, or I'll at least like scan their menu online to see if they have gluten-free options. So many places I do feel like that is improving. I do feel like restaurants. Yeah. And, um, I think the options for gluten-free and, and then being called out on the menu are, is greatly improving. Um, as are the gluten-free choices. Um, 
you know, I was just telling somebody, somebody the other day was complaining about how, well, you know, gluten-free bread is terrible. And I said, well, there are a lot better options now than there were even just a couple of years ago. Mm -hmm. um, but obviously, I mean, it's not going to be exactly the same. Um, but if, like, like I said to them, but if it means eating that and feeling better or eating that and not feeling, then you're definitely going to choose the, you know, you learn to like those things. But back to the restaurants, I do think, um, asking ahead of time and or checking ahead of time and asking because gluten can be hidden in a lot of things. Like for example, um, someone might order sweet potato fries. I know this. Um, but sometimes if you ever notice, if you've ordered sweet potato fries, there's kind of like an extra coating kind of mm -hmm. on the outside. And that's actually usually a gluten based, uh, based flour that they put on it to make them crispier. Yeah. It's like, you know, you get, you just have to be diligent. Um, it's the same with me with my nut allergy. Like I have had to, you know, ask the server, like, are, is there anything, you know, not in this? And so, Sometimes I've gotten the answer of, well, I don't think so. And I'm like, well, <laughs> it's not well, good enough. <laughs> I kind of need to know unless you want to get my EpiPen out. Yeah. <laughs> and so, and, and I think it's being not afraid to like stand up for yourself and, you know, and be your own advocate and, and be clear when you're asking the things and, and asking for a clear answer. And, you know, in worst case scenario, like you said, just bring in your own um, dishes, uh, you know, with you. Um, I've never actually, I, brought my own food to a restaurant. So that's interesting. Um, I should have to try that. Now I have brought, I have called ahead if I could bring like, for example, like we wanted to bring a, a um, a cake for a celebration to a restaurant. I called ahead to see if that was okay. And so, yeah. um, but I think most of them are accommodating. I do feel like it is improving. Um, there is still that kind of, you know, weird stigma out there. Um, in some places like, you know, but, but I think it is improving. Um, and so I would think, you know, just to recap the strategies, I think calling ahead, being your own advocate and, and bringing your own food. Now, do you find it more challenging if you're going to maybe, um, a dinner party at like another person's house versus a restaurant or, you know, what is your experience with that? Do you find one easier than the other? I think it depends on how well I know the person. Um, uh -huh. if, if the dinner party is pretty casual, like if it's just people coming in and eating off like buffet style as they please, then, you know, I probably won't even bring my own thing. I might bring some snacks in my purse and not worry about it. People will assume I already ate at some point. Um, but if it's, you know, going to somebody's house for dinner, I, I do let them know ahead of time. I think it's a little easier than the restaurant deal because, I don't know. It's just something about being out in the restaurant and having other people look at you, bring this Tupperware in. Uh -huh. um, it's just, it's kind of awkward, uh, especially if you're out with coworkers, you know? It's, yeah. I mean, they all understand by this point, but um, no, I think at other people's homes is a little easier. Um, just, I, I don't really, I don't know why. I, I think because they know me and they understand. Mm -hmm. um, if they don't know me that well, it's a, a little bit harder. But, um, you know, I always make them aware of my situation. I'm not going to come by and just be like, oh, by the way, I'm not eating your food. Yeah, I was going to say, I think a communicating, obviously, if someone knows you well enough, they may know that you're already going to do that. But if you're going mm -hmm. to maybe a relative that you don't go there that often or to, you know, another dinner party that you don't know the, the person, I think letting them know ahead of time so they don't get offended when you bring in your own food when it wasn't like a bring your own food type yeah. event and just kind of letting them know so they're not, you know, because I think sometimes people can maybe get offended that, you know, like, well, why did you bring your own food when I have all this food for you kind of thing? Mm -hmm. 
So with anything, I think communication, upfront communication is key. I mean, I think that's across the board in almost all areas of life, but um, I definitely think if you're going to someone's house, um, just letting them know like, Hey, this is my situation. And you know, I'm going to be bringing my own food or, or asking what they're preparing to see. But a lot of times it's just safer because if, especially if that person's not a hundred percent familiar with what all has gluten in it and what all needs to be avoided, they may be thinking that they're offering you a gluten-free, you know, menu, but they're, but they're really not. Um, and so Again, it goes back to communication and, yeah. and advocating. I know like for me in my, in my work environment, um, I've worked at the same place for, oh gosh, about eight years and it has taken up until this past year. Like now when we order food in for like meetings, they automatically, you know, will order like, like they pay more attention. Cause not just my, um, I had, there are other people in the office that have other food requirements based on either health or religion. Um, and so everything is always like, okay, we asked for gluten-free, we've asked for no nuts. We've asked for the, you know, the vegetarian option, like that sort of thing. So I feel like it's starting to, to improve. I can remember before, um, you know, I would be in a meeting and there'd be a person sitting next to me eating like a handful of nuts. <laughs> it's just uh -huh. you know, like everyone just kind of ignored that or they would order in, you know, like food for a conference or like for a meeting and, you know, there wouldn't be anything on there that I could, that I could eat. And so I am, and I would advocate for myself, but they just kind of blew it off. But now I feel like they're, they know, and they're, you know, I don't even have to say anything. They just automatically order oh, those really nice. you know, options. So that, that, that has been nice that they, they acknowledge it as, you know, as, as a necessity. And so, and like, we have a big event, um, like a large event and they made sure that the menu was, you know, that accommodated all the different, um, eating restrictions. So I, I feel like there, it is improving. Um, but I find it more challenging. I think I find it more challenging when I'm going to someone's house, um, than in a restaurant. I guess I feel like when I'm at a restaurant, I don't know any of those people. And so it's easy oh, for me yeah. to be like, I need this. But when I'm going to a friend's house, I kind of, or like someone I, like, I kind of know like an acquaintance, I feel kind of, and it's so silly, but like, I feel bad that I'm needing an, an exception that's going to like, maybe like put them, you know, put them, you know, make them have to do more work or, you know, or make them feel, you know, that, you know, like awkward or something. So I think, I think it's easier for me in a more anonymous situation than someone I know, but, but, you know, I think just find what works for you and, you know, and communicate ahead of time, um, before you're going to someone's house. But yeah, I completely agree. Yes. Yes. So it took you, like, how long do you think it took you? Like for me, I can say that it took me going back, you know, almost 12 years of, of, you know, having ailments and like, you know, before I really figured out, you know, like that maybe it was the food that was causing all my ailments. Mm -hmm. But once I figured that out, like you said, as soon as I eliminated it, um, I started to feel better. But then again, there's so much information out there. It's like, you know, like all these different eating, like in under the elimination protocol umbrella, there's a lot of different things. Like, you know, like there's, a lot of different diets or, you know, ways of eating, um, uh, for different autoimmune uh, diseases and, you know, that sort of thing. And so it can kind of get overwhelming and it can be like, well, do I need to eat this? Do I need to remove this? You know, do I need to remove this? Um, so if you were going to give advice to someone that was just starting out and like, like if they're listening to this 
and they're like, oh my gosh, I have all these symptoms and I've been taking, you know, ibuprofen daily for 10 years um, for these headaches or whatever. Um, what would you, what would you say to this person that, you know, how to get, how do you get started? Like, how does one just like get started with trying to see if maybe those, those ailments are tied to uh, a gluten or other food sensitivities? I, I would start by deciding, you know, do you want to figure this out on your own or do you want, you know, a medical diagnosis? Yeah. Um, it's, it's really difficult. If you look at, uh, th like the list of symptoms I told you earlier, mm -hmm. um, those can look like anything, you know, if, if we're talking about celiac disease, um, some people might get an upset stomach every once in a while. Some people might get what I have for, you know, five or six weeks at a time. Mm -hmm. Some people, um, have what's called silent celiac disease. They have no symptoms. Yep. And, you know, like so many of these symptoms, they can look like other diseases too, or other, other problems, you know, like, um, if, Maybe you've got the upset stomach symptom, as somebody might say, oh, you probably have irritable bowel. IBS, yep, yeah. yep. And um, so that, they say it takes, for celiac disease, it takes between, I think it's six to ten years to get a diagnosis uh, mm -hmm. for most people. Um, and so that's a long time, and I think it's because there's not a set list of symptoms. It's different for everybody. Mm -hmm. And so... Um, I would decide, do you, do you want to try to figure out what exactly is going on or do you just want to correct your diet? Like, do you want to do everything through your diet mm -hmm. and do um, like an elimination protocol uh -huh. if that helps? So mm -hmm. um, I, it's really up to you. Um, if I could go back, I probably would have gotten the testing. Uh -huh. um, I hear it's not as accurate as it could be. But if I, if I had even suspected celiac disease, I would have gotten the testing. So, uh -huh. Yeah. And you can also work with a nutritionist, especially a nutritionist mm -hmm. that specializes in elimination protocols. Um, if you want, maybe before you even go to the, like, if you don't want to go the medical route yet, and you just want to maybe try it on your own by eliminating foods, or maybe working with a nutritionist that can help you um, kind of identify some of those foods. Um, you know, I think there are several options out there, um, but definitely, or if you just, and if you feel completely overwhelmed and you want some help, um, I think maybe working with a nutritionist um, for the food and the diet side um, might be a good, a good first step. Um, or if you just eliminate those things and you feel better, then maybe, you know, maybe it's like, okay, maybe I want to go get, you know, a full panel of food sensitivities. Mm -hmm. I know I've not had the full food panel and I would like to, because I would just, I would just like to have a clear answer on all the foods. Like, because I have eliminated some foods and like you said, it changes on you. Like sometimes it bothers me and then other times it doesn't. So it's like, you know, like, is it a true sensitivity or just, you know, it just happened to be combined with something else at the time. And so I think if you want a clear answer, you know, maybe working with a nutritionist or, a, you know, a medical doctor for um, getting like a full allergy panel or a full um, sensitivity panel. Um, I think that that is also an option. Um, Cause like for me, I know that nightshades, like you hear, I, I remember the first time someone told me about nightshades. I was like, what in the world are nightshades? And I'd like look it up. <laughs> but I noticed that I was like, you know what, when I eat certain foods under the nightshade umbrella, like it causes this, this, these symptoms. And so I, I just avoid those. And so it's just, there's just so many 
so many foods out there that can cause various symptoms um, and they can mask themselves, like you said, in, in weird. And I know like when I had a lot of the stomach issues, um, people were just like, oh, you have IBS, you know, it's just mm -hmm. IBS or whatever. Um, but I know that it can, when I remove those certain foods from my diet, then those symptoms go away. So, you know what I mean? So, yeah. So, yeah. So I, I think um, for me, um, if I were, you know, talking to myself 12 years ago that were having all these problems, you know, I would just start, start by eliminating foods that, you know, we'll start with gluten and grains. That's, that's kind of a common. And then you might look at things like dairy and, you know, the more granular type things. Um, and then, you know, like if you want to work with a nutritionist or like you said, if you want to go get the full, um, you know, medical diagnosis of it, um, then yeah, that's definitely something to do, but, but don't just take, continue to take medicine to mask the symptoms, like find the root problem. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I think I spent too many years taking too much ibuprofen. <laughs> oh gosh. Yeah. Right? Excedrin was me. It was bottles and bottles of Excedrin. Yes. 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 Uh, I, I mean, I, it's just, it's just so, um, you know, it, it's just amazing to me that so many people suffer in silence um, with all of these, you know, types of symptoms and, and, and they don't, you know, not even knowing that it can actually be the foods that they're eating that are causing those symptoms. Mm -hmm. So, so, well, um, why don't you, um, tell the listeners as we're getting to wrap up here, uh, where can they find you? Cause I know you have a lot of good, uh, recipes out there that, that are, that follow elimination protocol. So where can they find you out there on the world wide web? Sure. Yeah. So I'm at eatsomethingdelicious.com. Um, all of the recipes on there, they are paleo since paleo, you know, it automatically uh -huh. a lot of common allergens like peanuts, dairy, wheat, soy, stuff like that. So they, uh -huh. they all follow paleo guidelines. Um, and then I'll try to add in other common allergens that people might have. Of course, I don't cook with anything I can't personally eat. So uh -huh. like stevia or anything on there that might bother me. Um, uh -huh. And then, uh, so I've got that there. And then um, the other places you can find me, um, I'm on Instagram, eat something delicious. Um, and then people can always reach out to me by email, Megan at eatsomethingdelicious.com. Okay. Okay. Yeah. And like you said, um, my recipes also, like you said, they're only what I can eat. And mm -hmm. so I, mine are always, you know, nut free because, um, like I have seen some amazing, you know, paleo based or even whole 30 based uh, recipes out there. And then I'll be like, Oh, but it has cashews in it or, you know, like, so, right. yeah. so yeah. So eat something delicious.com and you're on Facebook and you're on Instagram. And I'm so, not really on Facebook. Oh, okay. Okay. <laughs> I should be, but I'm not. Okay. Okay. Um, and so if you want to check out her blog, um, and her recipes or follow her on Instagram, and we'll leave the links to both of those sites in the show notes, but thank you so much for joining me today. Um, I think this is such an important topic because it can feel so isolating, uh, when you have a food sensitivity, um, and you know, if you're like me, you don't want to like, I always like worry about others before I worry about myself. I don't want to put anybody out. And so I think, you know, that coupled with having a food sensitivity, I end up putting myself in a precarious situation and eating things that I know are going to bother me just so mm -hmm. I'm keeping everyone around me happy. Mm -hmm. And so I think it's, you know, it's a very isolating, you know, feeling when you, when you, it, once you do figure out that diagnosis. And also, um, I hope that, you know, any listeners that may be having these ailments, 
and haven't looked at food sensitivities or their diet, you know, maybe a light bulb's gone off and be like, Hey, I'm going to try this. So thank you so much for joining me to talk about this topic today. Yeah. Thank you for having me. All right. I will talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks. Uh Bye-bye. You've been listening to the Wanderlust and Wellness Podcast. If you like this episode, please head on over to iTunes and subscribe to the podcast to enjoy all of our upcoming episodes. And while you're there, go ahead and drop us a review. And always, as always, be sure to follow Wanderlust and Wellness at www.wanderlustandwellness.org or join our mailing list to get instant access to all of our recipes, Wanderlust tips, and resources for that laptop lifestyle at www.wanderlustandwellness.org forward slash email. And as always, you can always find us on social media. If you're ready to live that laptop lifestyle and learn how to turn your passion into a profit through online courses, join our My E-Learning Academy at www.myelearningacademy.com. Please note that I am not a registered dietitian or a medical professional. The views I express are mine alone based on my own experiences and should not be taken as medical advice. Please speak with a medical professional before making any changes to your current routine.